Welcome back to Chapter Chumps, a reading podcast where three guys, just a couple of regular Joe Schmoes, chumps if you will, read a book and discuss it. Today we're going to be talking about chapters two and three of book two of the second book of the unofficial Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Two Towers. Wait, why is it unofficial? Because... It's never been officially sanctioned. It's not... It's not. Un- it's not really a trilogy. Like it's meant. It's like split up into three books, but like right. it's meant to be considered right, right, right. as like a, as a as a whole text unto itself. The unofficial. You're right. I forgot about that for a moment. J R R R. See, we've talked about this. We've talked about this before, but I've always thought of it as a trilogy for so long that I still completely forgot about that. I continue to think of it as an official trilogy. Guys, yeah. this this reminds me. But before we get into Lord of the Rings stuff. Another trilogy that you know and love, uh, Star Wars. Um, I just wanted to bring up. I did send a picture to the group chat um, that was we didn't really discuss. Uh, we, we, you know, no one really. See, he promised you want to bring up the other topic. No from one before. really, uh, you know, responded to me. It was a picture, and it's something that I really thought you guys would be interested in. It's um, it's it's a picture of or not. It, it, it's it's a picture of a sale on Facebook Marketplace, and um, right. I mean it's just it's something that I thought both of you guys would be like fighting each other, <laughs> fighting each other to you know to get and, and like I, I'd be happy to pick it up because I'm I'm you know Josh is close, I'm close by, I can pick it up and store it right. for you guys. It's um, go for it. It's like I a won't 12, pay you back. Tw- it's, w- w- it's a 15 foot um it's it's seven feet tall okay, you don't seven, have to exa- it's, it's a seven foot tall yeah. one thousand five hundred dollar that's where the numbers are getting crossed there yes yeah fifteen hundred dollar um jar jar binks um uh <laughs> doll like you know or figure. <laughs> a 15 foot jar jar 15. binks statue why would you even <laughs> assume that's right i don't know i think i think he's pretty tall in the so where would that go <laughs> he's pretty tall. I thought it would be great to to replace Josh's statue in in his yard. Oh yeah, God. right. It'd be like those giant, uh, you know, the the giant uh, Home Depot, Home Depot skeletons. Skeleton. Yes. yes, yes, but it, but it would be Jar Jar. That actually, <laughs> I don't know, foot tall Jar Jar. I might get that. That would be that great. I might for, get. Yeah. Um, Dress it up for Darth as Jar Jar Jar. It's it's yeah. here in Connecticut though, so it's like so cl- it's it's an actual thing that's being sold, and they cannot believe it. Um, why don't we all? We need to, yeah, we need to all pitch in and exactly. I, I guess, why don't we all? Why don't we split it three ways? Yeah, that way, like it's not it's not an entirely I, unreasonable. I cost. can throw in twenty bucks, and, and then uh, it can like it could be like a sisterhood of the traveling pants thing where yeah, it's like yeah. we each have it for like yes. However long, you know, it'll so it could start at Josh's, obviously, because yeah. he has to replace that statue. Of course, and he'd pay for most of it. Right, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it would not be an even split. <laughs> no. Uh, and then yeah, like we we each could get like yeah. you know a month or whatever with that, uh, a, fifteen foot tall Jar Jar Binks. That's a beautiful idea. It really, really is. And we we would call it a sisterhood of the traveling Binks. Yes. Yeah. I love if it. If we were still uh, naming our episodes, uh, that would be yeah. <laughs> a shoe in That's mean, a good one. Maybe we should start renaming or naming our episodes because not doing it hasn't made any difference. It, ha- it hasn't mattered. Yeah, it hasn't mattered. It hasn't mattered. Maybe we just we go back to do, to naming the episodes. Yeah, this could be the one. So, Why don't yeah. we just jump back? You know, who gives a fuck, you know? That sounds Whatever. Just keep the episode. 
just episode title and then like dash episode whatever we're on. Well, I or the other way episode episode whatever number we're on then the episode title. Well, after it, dash, no, that's simple. It's not the episode number that I'm that I'm uh, concerned about. It's the chapter numbers in the book that I I wanted to get into the titles. Oh. Um, because I thought that people would search out Lord of the Rings, whatever, and then they'd see this and be like, oh, I'm on that chapter. I'll listen to it. Where are the Lord of the Rings fans? Yeah, they have dropped the ball. It's on them, really, not us. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I, I don't think. It's not like we don't advertise or anything. It is on them. No. I mean. No. So I do want to share. I, I do listen to some other podcasts. And one, one thing that comes up every now and then is people will say that the. There's a lot of podcasts out there where it's just like, like a handful of episodes. Like they they recorded maybe three or four times, and then they just kind of stopped. And there's a whole bunch of podcasts like that out there, but it's the ones that keep going, know what they want to do, and just keep going with that. Those are the ones that keep that are really interesting. And well, we're on what episode, what fifty something? I have to guess now. If you count if you count the Hitchhiker's Guide episodes. Uh, yeah, I think it would be um, well over that, to be honest, considering all the yeah, the Hitchhiker's books. I think we'd have to be beyond that. Yeah. So it's just like we like I hear that and even we don't have a ton of subscribers or listeners. And for those who are at this point, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. They do um, exist. And, and we really appreciate that you're sticking around with us. Uh, but it, it also just makes me feel happy that the three of us can keep going with this and doesn't matter if we have yeah, that, that's, 60, 60 listeners or 60,000. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, maybe one of these days we'll have 60 listeners. And then, you know, then we can get the 60,000. I thought I saw know. one or two episodes that had 60-something listeners <laughs> no, on it. I'm just being a little self-deprecating. We are not doing that bad. Um, um, yeah, so I, I, I think uh, Josh is right, and that's kind of my whole MO. I think that, that that's that's a really great um, breakdown of kind of uh, why, you know, I make dumb things, right? Um, <laughs> first off, it's fun to make dumb things with your friends. Um, and second, Absolutely. you know, the, the bigger body of work you create, the more um, likely somebody will stumble along into it and get caught up in my web, and then I'll trap them and lure them in and uh, i don't know if we should be laying out our plans so bare like this this is this is you know too too far behind the curtains true Um, it's true sorry you gotta keep the secret sauce secret if you know what i'm saying it is true you have to trick the hobbitses Thank you, Josh, for getting us back on track. <laughs> we are going to be talking about... Uh, Guys, how sick would a uh, oh Smeagol Jar Jar Binks crossover be? Smart, smart jinx? Smart, oh, smart my jinx. God. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, they wouldn't be, like, fused, but, like, they, they, <laughs> they would be like a buddy cop kind of situation. You yeah, know what that fusion right, looks like? Right. You know what that fusion looks like? It's just a guy in a suit with a bunch of ping pong balls attached to it. Hey, and and his name is Andy Circus. I don't think Andy Circus played Jar Jar. If well, he did, we, I think it would well, have been a much better character. Well, we a much different wow, character. Wow. Okay, that's uh, shots fired at the actor. No, no, I did. That's I. I realized where that how that sounded. That's why I changed my my wording to different character. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, thank it's, you, it's, Josh. Uh, We're not going to tolerate any Jar Jar slander on this podcast. 
especially not directed towards the actor whose name is at this moment eluding me, but I know that he it's got a cool... Too. Uh, he got a really cool cameo in, in uh, Mandalorian. Yeah, because he's gotten to play uh, Ahmed Best. He got to yes. play uh, uh, Jedi Kellerin. What is it? Kellerin something. Anyways, he he, he also was, he, in live action has gotten to play a Jedi like as himself, which yes, kind of a cool uh, and a pretty pretty badass cool one too for him for somebody who's on screen for two minutes. In, yeah, I, I haven't seen. I mean, it, he, he also I, he I hosted the uh, them doing that for him. He he also hosted some sort of like Legend of the Hidden Temple esque show, Star Wars themed show. Of right, which is ago. where the character came from in the first place, right? Yeah, so getting that character canonized in the actual Star Wars universe is really cool. It is funny. All right. So anyway, well, enough. Star we'll talk Wars more Star talk. Wars in a few more months. <laughs> right. Sometime next year. Uh, oh man, we're going to set aside like three or four hours when we get to the star to a Star Wars book. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> We really are going to have a lot. We, to talk we will. About we will Star see what it's like when we get there. But what are we going to watch? It'll we be. We should sit down and watch all the movies. And then this talk is not about the time, them. Josh. This is not the time. <laughs> You're we right. Not I'm just sorry. plan out our Star Wars roadmap right now. We need to talk about Lord of the Rings. That's why we're here. You're right. You're right. Okay. So, but, oh man, is there two. a lot of Lord of the Rings references in Star Wars content? Oh god. Chapter two: The Passage of the Marshes. That's where we're starting here. And uh, so we've had kind of a break in between this episode and our last episode. And I always kind of jokingly say no one's going to notice because uh, the way we post episodes and don't ever promote them, which is a a lot of that's on me. You know, I'm I'm, I'm here to take uh, responsibility for that. I'm aware your your primary uh, uh, advertising platform is kind of gone to shit in that time. So, Eh, you know, but it's still there. Um, and it I've done nothing so with it. so much better before Musk took over, right, Connor? That's that's why we that's why our numbers are low. Actually, yeah, yeah because there's a lot more posting back then. Oh my god. At any rate, at any rate. Um so so we've we've had a bit of a break um because I got married. It's, you know. Um, no big deal. Yeah, no. It doesn't really matter. Um well, I mean, you know, it matters. I'm just saying, you know, like it matters a lot, actually. <laughs> but, but I'm just, I'm just saying for the purposes of like discussion for this podcast, it's like that's an aside. That's what I mean. Like the, for the you're now wife is in the other room. For the purposes of the discussion, that in itself is an aside, but copying, as a life event, it's like remarkable. Timestamps to send over to you're, Tony. You're, okay. Yeah, right. your now wife is in the other room, just flipping a coin of whether or not you're sleeping <sighs> on the couch for this conversation. Okay, <laughs> Someone's okay. in the doghouse. So, so the re- but I, but I'm bringing it up because no, it's cats. cats. You're right. Sorry. This this was a good another good time to have like that break because where we left off we have only read the first chapter of the second book of the two towers and that chapter was really just um uh showing how uh Frodo and Sam how their journey has like just begun and how they meet up with Smeagol and so like that chapter ends the three of them are continuing um, you know, into the heart of Mordor. And there's a lot of, like, tension and, uh, like, group group conflicts with, like, their dynamic. And so, like, it, it, there's a lot of setup there. 
And it, in some ways, I thought it was kind of cool to have, like, um, this time to sort of let that linger. And now we get to see, like, some of the the payoff of what was set up in that first chapter in these chapters here, chapters two and three. So, getting into chapter two, the passage of the marshes, uh, Smeagol slash Gollum, whatever, however you want to refer to him, Smallum, Geagle, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was expecting uh, that one. Yeah, he's he is leading uh, Sam and Frodo through this kind of barren wasteland because the the main road toward uh, Mordor is like obviously just too dangerous. They even kind of joke about it at one point. I forget which chapter. Probably this one. But you know. Gollum has brought up several times, like, you could get to Mordor really easily. You know, all you have to do is just jump out and say, I'm here, orcs, right over here. And they will yep. immediately take you to Sauron. You can get what you want very quickly. You'll just be dead at the end of it, and he'll have the ring. So, yes. obviously not an option. Um, so that's why they're going through the marshes. And um, it's... It's... Uh, a lot of time is dedicated to like how depressing and miserable it is to have to slog through this like desolate, muddy landscape of like nothingness. Um, and really, like the the perils, other than like the environment itself that they meet, um, there are like not quite ghosts, but like maybe ghosts or like. The, the spirits of uh, dead people from, like, this past war lingering there. Yeah, I thought it was, like, will-o'-wisps at first, but no, it's, like, literally there's, if you look in the water deep enough, like, all the faces start to sh show up in the depths. It's really yeah. disturbing, actually. It's pretty freaky, it is. And at first, um, you're like, oh, like, skeletons, skulls, and they're, like, <laughs> and then they keep on talking about it, and it's like, no, it's, like, actually the people that died Yeah, there's people war. in the water. Like, yes. Yeah, like, like, actual people. Yeah. Um... That's that's interesting that Tolkien mentions that. Maybe we'll touch more on that, but like nothing really comes of it. Um, it's just there. And then um, we get uh, the wing and Nazgul flying overhead again, and um, Gollum in particular is pretty freaked out about that. Of course, Sam and Frodo are as well, but um, Gollum also has a very powerful fear of. Uh, the minions of Sauron and Sauron himself. But ultimately, they do make it to the other end of the marshes. They're essentially just about to reach, like, the foot of the mountains of Mordor where the the Black Gate resides, the main entrance into Sauron's domain. Um, and that is pretty much where our chapter ends. This is really just one of those point A to point B chapters, and I, I do think there's interesting things to discuss within it, but but ultimately, it's just about how they traverse the marshes in order to get to the Black Gate, which we'll talk about in the next chapter. Yep. So, that all being said, is there a place we'd like to start or anything we want to mention right off the bat? How are we feeling, boys? Connor, you look like you got some thoughts. I'm just, I was just going to say, um, 
Yeah, it, it's, it is kind of one of those chapters, like you said, point A to point B that I've been very critical of. I know that they're not in the woods. They're in the, in the marshes. They're in a marsh. Yeah. Different setting, but it feels like the woods still to me. Yeah. Um, kind of like a woodland-esque or adjacent area still. Um, and uh, it, it, it's not, you know, not as dire as some of those chapters were earlier on. I think... The combination of uh, having Gollum there, you know, under their control, or, uh, you know, at least they think he is, uh, and, you know, Sam's constant skepticism um, kind of kept it very interesting for me. Um, the But the, the, the whole thing of, like, oh, we're, we're in this new environment, and it's, like, subtly making us drowsy or sleepy or feel weird it's like kind of haunted a little like a little spooky like it just like we've seen that you know like it's just there's like, yeah. a lot of these environments which is i mean okay cool it's it's fine it's it's cool but um it just it happens a lot you know like there's like a lot it's of true. these little pockets of of land that like make them feel some sort of way i mean it's kind of like they're all touched by the same evil presence so they have yeah. similar effects yeah, I mean, too similar, I think, but uh, but that's just me. I get it. I think Connor's point is more, uh, not even, I don't know if I'm, re- but like, not necessarily even that it keeps happening, but it's like, nothing comes of it. Yeah, that's exactly it, yeah. It's it's just, I mean, it, 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 it doesn't really add much to the story i mean sometimes in some cases it does but um i mean it's like okay frodo was is 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 drowsy and or or like he you know they they feel all this fear and stuff and um and dread i guess right uh but i mean yeah it it doesn't really amount to much and i guess the overarching plot like it does add to kind of like the getting closer to mordor right is 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 kind of like it's kind of like that's like bad vibe central you know yes so, exactly. so, so it does make sense um but yeah i i do feel like they could have done more with it i guess um and uh i yeah i mean the the, the parts that i did I, I did really like kind of having a more sam centric uh focus or you know narrate uh narration for for this chapter um yeah i mean it's different yeah it's a bit different yeah yeah you're you um i also kind of thought about like seems like sam has a bit more to there's a bit more focus on him too which I, i thought was interesting um like now that Gollum's here, Tolkien spends a lot of time thinking about like, oh, what does Sam think about Gollum? Because I think, I think Tolkien wants the reader to feel skeptical of Gollum's presence. And Frodo, you know, he's not naive necessarily about the whole thing, but he's much more willing to accept and trust Smeagol. Whereas, you know, Sam is very much against him being there at all. And so I think, like, Tolkien kind of understands that that's going to be the more interesting perspective to, yeah. to have the reader, like, 
follow throughout the chapter. Like yes, you want to feel unsure of exactly. Smeagol. And I think that's the natural point where the reader would come in anyways. I think, I think most readers would be skeptical of Smeagol for obvious reasons, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So Sam does kind of serve as like an audience conduit in a, you know, subtle way, I guess. Um, and uh, the, the one other thing that I wanted to mention about this chapter is that um, I did enjoy kind of, kind of how, uh, Tolkien subverted expectations a little bit with, um, I think it's this chapter where, where, you know, they, they, Sam falls asleep watching Smeagol and then, and, you mm-hmm. know, wakes up and they're fine. And he's, you know, he's just yep. looking for food that, that, that was a nice little kind of change. Cause he's very skeptical. He, he, he's like this, this fucking guy is going to pull something. Um, and then he right. doesn't. And then obviously later on, he kind of is going back and forth, but he, it's also yeah. very relatable because it's Sam just like sitting there, like I'm not gonna fall asleep, I'm not gonna fall asleep, and eight hours passed. Oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really, I, I remember thinking like I like the way Tolkien wrote that because he doesn't just say like Sam fell asleep. It's like, like you're saying, Josh. It's like he's writing Sam's thoughts out, and then there's like a line break, and it's like he's he's like trying to like snap back to reality like he's realizing now that he's awake yep. he must have fallen asleep uh, it was a, a good way to like present that oh yeah no he was teasing Gollum trying to see if he was faking being <clears throat> asleep he was like saying stuff like fish in his ear uh, and then he he's just like oh, I guess he's asleep and then he uh, restrained his the thoughts of his sword and the rope that sprang to his mind and went and sat down by his master line break when he woke up, the sky above was dim, no lighter but darker when then they had breakfasted. Yes. So yeah, basically like slept that. a day a day away. <clears throat> um I think bad vibe central from Mordor is pretty hilarious, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah, exactly it's pretty, that. It's pretty accurate. The closer subtitle. The closer you get to it, uh and that's, you know, I really like that idea. Like, I, I have a note on that, too, where, um, like, as as Frodo gets closer to Mordor, um, Tolkien also makes a note that the ring feels heavier on him. You know, like, it, it literally feels like a heavier burden the closer you get to the destination, which is such a great detail. Um, but that's kind of, like, exactly what it is. It's like, and so much of what Lord of the Rings is about or... Not like what it's about thematically, but like what Tolkien chooses to focus on is, you know, like the the trials and tribulations that the characters have to overcome so often isn't like through battle. It's not like they have to fight a million orcs. It's like literally just trying to overcome the journey itself. It's like, how are you going to get from this place to the other? You know, like just the difficulty of traversing a wild landscape what that presents in and of itself is is what so much of the lord of the rings focuses on and like to get closer to mordor like mordor itself it's like the land itself is evil like to be in it is itself like just horrible evil. yes also, i mean backing on your point a little bit uh sam's even concerned about like now the golems here. How much food are we gonna have? Like, yeah. how are we not gonna 
starve on our way over there and back again. And that's a yes. fun scene too, where you know Gollum uh, being disgusted with with Hobbit food. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was a good. That was an interesting. Uh, yeah. Just really repulsed by bit it. of information. I mean, not to not to be like the um actually guy, but it's elf food that oh, the you're hobbits right. are eating. You are correct. The elven elven food is too pure for um, a creature such um, as Gollum. Actually, Connor, what you what you so ignorantly referred to as Hobbit food, uh, if you'll strain your memory back to the previous book, I believe you'll find to more accurately find it called Elven food. I think uh, <laughs> I think. I think uh, Gollum does call it Hobbit food, though. I mean, he he did make <laughs> he he made the same mistake I did. So yeah, fair. You I mean, you are very Gollum coded. Gollum coded, yeah. <laughs> Smeagol pills. <laughs> you're you're a Gollum coded Smeagol pills <laughs> motherfucker for sure. <laughs> hey, I'm not denying it. Oh my god! All right. Um... I, I do I do actually have a, a few notes to go through here, but I, I we haven't heard from Josh as much. I I'd like to see where you might want to jump to, Josh. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah, I mean Connor was kind of on point by saying it's a lot of the same in this chapter where they're just kind of traveling through a doom and gloom area, so it wasn't a lot of notes. But uh, uh, one thing I I think was interesting is it sounds like. Um, Frodo might be thinking he was able. He might be able to reform Gollum to some yeah. degree. Um, the Doctor and Missy. Right. I, did, I did get some Doctor Missy vibes. Oh my god! <laughs> but he's right. uh, yeah. He's. I mean, he's trying to like give him the the Lembes and um. What's the other? There was something. Hmm. I have the note here, but I can't remember what it's like. What it's actually. Do you want to oh, read it out no, loud? No, and, oh. uh, well, it's been like four or five days since I wrote it, so I'm trying to remember. I try to place them close right, to what, where I put brag, it. Don't brag about when you read, okay? It's, it's <laughs> Sorry, anyway. guys. Um, I'm sorry, said Frodo, but I can't help you, I'm afraid. I think the food would do you good if you would try, but perhaps you can't even try. Not yet, anyway. So that I think is what solidified the everything leading up to that point. Um, Frodo trusts Gollum. He's um, he's using the ring to manipulate him. The, mm-hmm. the promise of the ring the, of the precious to manipulate him to some degree. But he's also like, well, maybe you if you're a little bit better, you're a little bit gooder. You'll you'll have the source of food that we have as well. Yeah. Um, excuse me. So it's. It, it's an interesting take on it. I, I don't think I ever picked up on that before, that Frodo might think of Gollum as a project of some sort. Yeah. I I think he does. And I think it's a, definitely a good thing to um, mention. It also kind of shows, I think Frodo and Sam recognize that the rope they had was hurting him so much because like you know the the elves are like pure and righteous and uh 
so like because Gollum has become so corrupted by the ring, like the contact of the like elven maid stuff is like really what harmed him. And so I think Frodo kind of sees like, oh well, so it would follow that you can't eat the the elven food, right? You know, <laughs> the the Lembus bread. Um not not because like Gollum's a picky eater, like he's like literally too corrupted to like eat something not of that like darkness. And I think Frodo right. sees that, yeah. But but even more so, and definitely agreeing with your point, Josh, I do think Frodo kind of fancies himself like able to rehabilitate Gollum. Yeah. Also, part of me thinks like the 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 connection he has to the ring, you know, like like the 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 ring's influence does it not make him more confident in in Gollum uh, obeying, you know, like part like part of me thinks he 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 has more confidence than Sam in that um, because of the ring's influence or and and maybe the ring maybe it's tricking him in, into thinking that he has more power than he does over Gollum. I don't know, but. Um, that's kind of my thought is, is it's, it's like, uh, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe there is a rehabilitation, um, or like a drive to rehabilitate him potentially. Um, but also maybe it's, it's whatever is influencing Frodo too. Yeah. And I think we'll kind of come back to that idea on the next chapter because Frodo has that moment where he gives that, yeah that warning to Gollum. Yep, exactly. And so uh, there's there's definitely a, a connection there. Yeah, I think he is emboldened by the ring. Um, I like what we've discussed so far, but it also kind of sounds like we're like, eh, you know, it's a walking around in the marshes chapter. Um, I'm going to go through a couple of my notes and see what you guys think, if there's anywhere you want to go from them, or, or otherwise we'll just, you know, do our thing. Um, oh, give me one second. My book's right over here. Sorry. Okay. All right, he's taking off his headphones, okay. walking over to grab his book. He's sitting back down. My bad, I'm here. He grabbed his headphones, putting the headphones on, and he is back. You didn't have to narrate that. It was right next to me. Oh, no, I got um, you. Don't worry, I got you. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I can always count on you to just narrate what I'm doing. Of course. So, on my copy, Josh is going to be like, oh, I know. But on my copy, it's page 231. Um, yep. Which is I pretty close. 800. You just think Josh. <laughs> you think Josh has the same copy of everything as you? Like, like he's like, oh, I, oh my god. Well, we did hitchhiker. We got hitchhikers. this bed from IKEA too. <laughs> we have the same bed. Oh, we got the same TV. <laughs> just think it's you just buy all the same things. I don't know. Yeah, right. Like, Josh and I are just living in a in a mirror world, you yeah. know. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, uh, but it's towards the beginning of the chapter. Um, Frodo. Frodo calls Sam my dearest hobbit, friend of friends. And um, he also, I, I guess, like, that that starting point, like, in the, in the previous book, in Fellowship, we kind of had this continuing conversation about, like, isn't it funny that um, the dynamic, the, po the, the popular understanding of the dynamic between Frodo and Sam being, like, best best buds is like completely shattered when you actually read the book and it's more like Frodo owns Sam in this like very <laughs> strange power dynamic 
Um, and it's like, yeah, but maybe that's just the starting point in order to like build into that more familiar relationship that everyone knows about. And I'm not here to say that uh, Tolkien does this with like perfect execution. And certainly we're not done at all. We're, we're only, um, you know, two, th two thirds of the way through the two towers. But this seemed like a pretty clear indication from, from Tolkien, you know, being like Frodo is starting to reciprocate, right? I, I think he feels like now that they are on the, like really in the thick of it, you know, like it's basically just Frodo and Sam together weathering this storm of going through Mordor for like the most impossible task of destroying the ultimate evil. It's like there, there's a, a very real camaraderie building that is not as one-sided as it was before. Yeah. So there's that. Right. Yep. Um, but then I also liked in this very same passage and I am pretty sure Frodo has vocalized this before, or at least we've gotten some passages where he's thinking about it. But he he says to Sam, like, I, I think I think this starts because Sam's worrying about food, like Josh was saying before. And Frodo was like, Sam, you don't need to worry about food on the way back. We only need food to get to Mordor. Frodo's like, you know, neither of us are coming back, right? Like, if we yeah. actually destroy the ring, that's it you and I are dead. That's the only way this ends, you know? And yeah, Sam, like, holds Frodo's it. hand and cries. Yeah, no, he basically admitted it's a suicide mission. That was that was actually one of my notes, too. It's just like, damn. That's way more serious than I expected. Yeah. It's the one thing that, that they they have uh, not really said, but have, have all thought, you know? Yeah. Until this point. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think they have some hope still that, like, it doesn't have to end that way. Like, obviously, they're not going there to die. But I think Frodo, like, at this point, like, finally reaching, you know, the the very beginnings of the lands of Mordor and, like, still seeing what, like, daunting journey lays ahead of him. It, it it literally just this like horrible wasteland filled with orcs and enemies and darkness. It's like, you know, for the first time he, he really gets to like personally see just how insurmountable this, this task is. Everyone's been telling him the whole time, right? It's, it's kind of like when you agree to plans, like, months out from something you'd be yeah sure i'll be there whatever i'll do it but then it's like like a couple days before and you're like oh fuck why did i fucking say i was gonna do this i don't want to fucking <laughs> every, do this every week of your yep. life i feel like this happens am i wrong yeah you know yeah <laughs> i mean for me, so, me for me too yeah and that's that's kind of what Frodo's going through. He's like, yeah, why I'll take I, the ring to Mordor. Why did I sure. agree to a suicide mission again, again? Yes. Really? Why do I yes. always? Again. Why do I always agree? And now he's at Mordor, and it's like, oh fuck! Like this is real, you know. And yeah. so he kind of, um, you know, Frodo and Sam kind of commiserate here in this moment. And um, I, yeah, I, I also thought it was really powerful. Um, I don't know. 
interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, then talking about Smeagol, um, I have this note on page 235. Oh, this will, I'm going to bring this up because I took a note of it in this chapter, but, um, I thought it was cool that the text reflects on this later in the next chapter too, but Smeagol's talking about, um, like how he knows about the dead marshes. I think this is when they're talking about like the, the spirits lingering in the, the lands. And, um, Smeagol says, uh, so they told him when Smeagol was young, when I was young. And then we get this other moment, uh, just further down the page, Smeagol says, we tried once. Yes, precious, I tried once, but you cannot reach them. And so I kind of, I was like, oh yeah, this whole Smeagol did this, I did this. We did this, I did this. And I just thought it was uh, interesting that it feels that we kind of get this window into I think this is where the rehabilitation aspect comes in. I think this is why Frodo has hope that he can rehabilitate Smeagol, because I think he sees Smeagol saying these things too. Because when Smeagol says, I, like, that's strange, right? He doesn't generally do that. And so, like, yeah, he's reflecting on, on his own past before he was corrupted. Yeah, well, th well there's so a, It's uh, crazy that he shares that at all. It is, yeah. Yeah. Um, isn't there like a line that says that or something like that in the next there, chapter or no yeah there is yeah. there is but right but it's in the next chapter but i i really did take this note down before i re yeah. read that and then when i read that line i was like ah okay yeah, i mean you know both of these chapters really are are telling and it it it's it's revealed more how cognizant frodo is of it um next chapter but very revealing the divide within Gollum, Smeagol, we, that we did, we talked about last episode um, quite a bit, and you know I feel like that 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 does just strengthen the idea that yeah th these are two separate entities within within him. Mm -hmm. On that note, and kind of given, I I know I know there's going to be more to talk about with with Smeagol, and in fact. Uh, we should maybe just go into the whole Smeagol Gollum debate that Sam overhears um, at the end of this chapter as well. But I'm kind of wondering where you guys are at with it too. Like, how do we feel about the Smeagol Gollum divide? Is it a is it a true divide? Like, you know what I mean? What what really is the line between those two? And how do you interpret Smeagol slash Gollum slash Smallum slash Gleagle, whatever it was. Yeah, I'm Team Gleagle as a, as a character, you know. Yeah, um, I I've really enjoyed Gollum uh, since his return um, as as a main character for the, these last few chapters, couple chapters. Um, yeah, no, I think it's 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 been really. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's he he's he's more fleshed out than in the Hobbit. I guess is my thoughts. There's there's a lot more going on underneath the hood than there was in the Hobbit. Yeah, I mean in the Hobbit he was just a, a riddle spewing yeah. obstacle that Bilbo but, had to but, overcome. Yeah, which which is great. That's that's he does it. He does a it very boss. well. 
But um, but yeah, there, there, there's a lot more to chew on. Um, ultimately, I am leaning towards his his uh, dark side winning out, but I don't. I I don't know. I actually don't know. Do you have any thoughts you want to share on that, Josh? Um, I kind of know how the story ends. I mean, that's yeah, but I, yeah. I'm not even. I'm not even asking about what do you think is going to happen in the end. I'm saying, do you even believe that there is a divide? I mean, like, is Smeagol honest and true? Is is there a part of this character that's redeemable, or are both sides corrupted? Is there a good side, bad side, or are both of them just irrevocably fucked up? That's what I'm wondering. Can it be both? Because I think both sides are are irrevoc- irrevocably fucked up, but I do think Smeagol, if they were on their own, would be able to redeem themselves somehow. Well, just, just think about it as if you were to vote for president. If it was a vote for Smeagol or a vote for <laughs> Gollum. you got to choose the lesser of the two Why evils. wouldn't you vote for Gollum? <laughs> Which one would Why you right? do that? <laughs> Half the people would, though, for some fucking reason. <laughs> you are right, Josh. Yeah, as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. We elected Gollum for president, didn't we? And it, well, oh, my yeah, God. I'm in, watching... In this timeline. I'm, I'm watching the Orville right now. They had a whole episode where it was like, oh, yeah, there's a, this whole planet is just full of fucking, like, AI-generated fake news. And the, it was very much like, oh, this is just straight-up commentary on the 2020 election. Yeah. And and um, the his his campaign slogan would be, uh, "Make America my precious again." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Yeah, make Mordor great again. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Make my precious mine again. I don't know. Ooh, that's probably that. Yeah. that. Probably that. Probably that. Would be one. It. Yeah. That would be it. You found it, buddy. Nice Here job. We go. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I, I think that's the thing. It's like, a? I do feel like the, s- several times Tolkien uses the word like pity or pitiful when referring to Go- Gollum. And that's the feeling I'm struck by because I do think there's like s- very small cracks where you see like what I what I believe is like genuine light and goodness from within. But it's like... <laughs> how much of that is allowed to seep out? How, how much of that still exists and how deep down is it? Like, those are the same questions that Frodo's grappling with too. And that's what makes Gollum an interesting character. But I'm, I'm and, largely just felt like, uh, I, 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 like pitying him. Yeah. It definitely is a feeling of pity. Just a very sad yeah. character. Sam made up his mind already. He's not struggling with that. <laughs> no, I kind of love Sam for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um let's let's go over what Sam overhears on uh my copy page 240. Can I just say one 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 note real quick before we get into that? Yeah, please do. Um uh, did Tolkien have to make even Gollum sing? Yes. In this fucking song. Yes. <laughs> in this fucking book. <laughs> I thought like, that was kind of God- a fun moment. It's a little, it's whimsical. It's, it's about as whimsical as you can get in a marsh full of dead people. Um, but it's still just like, even Gollum gets a song in this musical of a book. It's so weird. Yeah. If they if they'd made Lord of the Rings, the, the the Lord of the Rings trilogy, a musical trilogy, I would not have been. So, 
as surprised as I am now. Like, legitimately <laughs> made the musicals and not just epics. Right. So, Tom Bombadil yeah. would have had a whole, like, act and a half. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, there still might come a day where uh, they'll really go for it. Um, I, but, you know, it's kind of, it's it's interesting to think, like, you could, you could even view Gollum as singing that song. You can interpret that as um, him pulling from his, you know, Hobbit memory. Because we know how much yep. Hobbits love to sing, too. So... But but it Absolutely. I also did think it was funny that it's like, oh Tolkien, like you really can't help yourself, can you? <laughs> yep. Can't wait till we get to a new book. It's not even Tolkien, it's just another song where like, God damn it, Tolkien. <laughs> Every book we pick has singing in it. Who knows? Maybe at the at the ends we'll be like reading Return of the King or something, and it's like Sauron gets a soliloquy or a, <laughs> or, you know, a, little, a little solo musical to himself. That'd I'm just imagining beautiful. Lord of the Rings on Broadway now. Yeah, yeah, we really needed, like, a Phantom of the Opera kind of style, like, Lord of the Rings interpretation. Like, where's that, you know? (laughs) Lord of the Rings the musical, but in the style of Scrubs the musical. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. Oh, I don't even know where to take that josh <laughs> sorry i didn't even realize that <laughs> actually no guy love between sam and frodo would be pretty awesome though i okay right? okay True. i could see it fair enough fair enough so gand anyway. off when will you be back <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Now I—I I mean that is that was niche. good. Like, that, that was <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm I was not just sure thinking about how, like, yeah, the cuts for the. I was in, in the world. I was almost there. Like, who the hell would who who the hell's Dominican in this could sing one of Carlos' songs? But, <laughs> but no, no, you I, just you knocked it out of the park with that. I I yeah. think the uh, the Venn diagram of people who would appreciate that joke is three people, and they're all talking <laughs> to each other. I think that's probably I think, true. I think you're selling yourself short. I think there's a bunch of Scrubs fans out there still who have read Lord of the Rings. Or at least watched the movies. They were coming I out at roughly right. the same time. I think that was so. I think that was true in the early two thousands. I don't know if that's true anymore. They've all scurried under their rocks and hobble yeah. holes to weather out their days. I mean oh, they both God. have eagles in them. Uh, it's so oh true. my god, Josh, that's <laughs> perfect. That's a great meme. Oh my god, it really is. We're gonna have to do something with that. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, that's pretty great. Now, is Gimli Doctor Cox? <laughs> no, I think Gimli is 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 too genuine and open to be uh, Doctor. Cox. I don't know. I almost feel like Gandalf would be Doctor Cox. Yeah. To be I yeah. I mean, Gandalf also is a no. Troll. Gandalf would probably be Kelso. Uh, maybe, maybe, yeah, but well, no, I maybe see it, it too. Kelso might be um uh, Saruman because he's kind of mm. yeah. Cox oh, and Kelso or Gandalf and G- Gandalf and Saruman. You're yeah. right. Oh my. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah, that wow. That, that stand off. Would that is, make? Would that make? Uh, it's it really is perfect Lorian, too because it's like Kelso. Lady Kelso, his whole thing, like, he's not, like, he, you know, he is, like, one of the more, like, 
darker characters on the show, right? But like, yeah. but he's corrupted by the system itself. Yes, exactly. You know, it's exactly. like Sauron yeah. is like the hospital industrial complex. Yes. You know, 100%. the all-seeing eye. Yeah. And Kelso slash Saruman are, you know, it's like they they wanted to battle against it and they lost, you know? So now I want to know is who's Ted? Ooh. Wormtongue. Wormtongue? Yeah, okay. Ah! <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's the this, this is actually easier than I thought it would be. <laughs> that's yeah, that, that was one of the thoughts. pretty good. That was one of the thoughts I had. I just wanted to see, get your opinions. All right. Um, we're we're yeah, going to have to expand on this. We're going to do something with this for sure. Who's Dr. Beardface? <laughs> All right, that's too deep for me right now. I haven't <laughs> watched Scrubs in we're a done. decade. No, dude, it's Beard Fasse. All uh, right, come on. Yeah. <laughs> My apologies. Oh, Holy fuck. This was an unexpected journey we just deep. took. And uh, wow. you can look forward to more Scrubs talk in our Scrubs podcast that will be premiering uh, early 2025. Nine years from now. Nine, yeah, I, mean, I mean, nine years from now. I mean... <laughs> 2030 20th anniversary 20, 20, 2025 is too soon we got too much on our fair enough fair yeah enough. we're still gonna be we're still gonna be halfway through star wars <clears throat> but but one of these days i heard that josh but, but one of these days we, <laughs> we will also get there and it'll be fun there's no scrubs books though so it won't be a chapter chumps podcast <sighs> there might be uh, i really could see some scrubs novelizations for sure there might be I'm gonna look that well, up. Put them, on, put them on your put them on your reading list then, and we'll we'll see if we get to them oh eventually. God. Oh my god! You can find them. <clears throat> okay. So so getting back to Lord of the Rings, <laughs> Sam overhears the Smeagol Gollum debate. This is where this all started, which is like hilarious, and I love you guys for it. But but Sam overhears <laughs> the Smeagol Gollum debate, and um um. And and essentially, Smeagol, <clears throat> Smeagol is saying, you know, we can't do anything. You know, we promised on the precious. And Gollum is saying, hey, don't worry about it. Because if we retake ownership of the precious, then you're not breaking any promises, are you? And Smeagol, the way it ends, I think, um, it is... It's unclear of what side wins, right? Like, as it's meant to be. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The stuffed dog is Bill the Pony. <laughs> oh, um. Rowdy. I forget the. St- Rowdy. Rowdy, yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's pretty good. I, I just thought of that. I'm sorry. I that's pretty good. The only thing that's funny, I mean, like, if um, JD and Turk are the Frodo Sam stand-ins as well. I think you'd have to rearrange the way you might think about it. Cause I think Turk would be Frodo and JD would be Turk Sam. Is, honestly, Turk is more Frodo. Yeah. I mean, JD definitely has a uh, loyal servant vibes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so like just throwing that out there. I can so picture, um, Sam say to Frodo, I miss you so much. It hurts sometimes. <sighs> You know, yeah. right? E- easy, easy. Other way around, not so yep. much. No, no. Anyway, Man. sorry. No, uh, don't be. That's gonna. That's just gonna be a constant thread in our lives till the end of our days. Now, so thanks for that, Josh. <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> what do we think about the Smeagol Gollum like? I don't know argument that they have. 
plus Sam overhearing it. And Sam, I think making kind of an uncharacteristically level-headed and measured decision to pretend to have been asleep and not to immediately out Gollum and attack him. Sam's even playing it a little bit smarter here too, which I thought was particularly interesting. Um, I was wondering if on either of those points there was anything you wanted to discuss there. Or just like, oh, it happened and whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I too do, to, you know, appreciate uh, Sam's decision to kind of let it slide. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it wasn't sur- surprising, you know, um, Gollum's uh, kind of soul crisis. Um, we kind of knew it was happening a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it just kind of, uh, and then, then the thing is too, is it does kind of come to a head next chapter too. So true. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, on that, uh, I've touched on every one of my notes here. Is there anything else you want to mention Josh or Connor? Uh, do you have any more notes, Josh? One more. There was a really gross simile about the mountains that felt kind of unusual for Tolkien, but also like really fit to Tolkien style. It's where the, the mountains had vomited the filth of their entrails upon the land about uh, the sickly white and gray ashlands or whatever it is. It is. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, that's incredibly visceral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is a good line. So it really, it I really was also- gets the point across. I also remember being about half asleep during this part of the, the, the chapter when I was reading. So it's, it's a little like stop and start in my memory, unfortunately. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I know you, you had, you had read to be on time for our scheduled and regular date. So, yep, I get it. I know. I know. I know how it is. Well, no, I, also, I also happened to read on a day where I was just freaking tired. So, yeah. Oh, today is Thursday. I forgot. Yeah, usually never cook never cook in the hang of those days. There you go. It all makes sense. There it is. There it is. Oh, you know what? You know what that reminds me of, real quick though. At the beginning of our discussion, Josh, you were we were talking about like the whole unofficial trilogy thing, mm-hmm. and uh, I forget I forget what you said about it. But I I had something I wanted to share, and then I think I forgot to say it, and now I'm reminded about it again. It's that we, from going from Hitchhikers to Lord of the Rings, we've gone from one unofficial trilogy to another. No, the the Hitchhikers was the increasingly incorrectly named, or increasingly poorly named, or whatever it is, trilogy. In spirit, Um, though, you know, it's like... Yes, you're right, you're right. Um, And this, this is unauthorized, so this is a bit different. Yeah, fair enough. I just thought that was funny. The Tolkien estate may, hates that this guy. Maybe we, maybe our next <laughs> maybe our next book series maybe our next book series will be an official trilogy. Maybe, or I or see. we'll just read a standalone book for once. Yeah, yeah, um, and not something that, that something? was originally radio play or like one book split into three. Yeah, or some or one book that's part of a series that turns out to be like five books, six if you count so and so. I know we we have had some very long commitments that we, that we have made. Um, 
I think I mean, we'll, you guys we'll started to take Doom, stock about this so. after we read Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I mean, right, I, and we I, started I, with Dune. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah, no, we should probably take some stock. Maybe something that doesn't have, like, a million movies to watch either. <laughs> Maybe, but I so. do like the movie. I, you know what? Okay, we're, we're, I, doing, we're doing the behind the curtain We're doing the planet thing. Here. I yeah. know, I know, I know. Yeah. Well, I know. we're kind of at okay. the end of this chapter's discussion, and I do need to get some water and use the bathroom. Yeah, so. okay, so are we are Final we all thoughts? good on this chapter discussion here? We're, we're yeah. happy with what we yeah. did? Okay, gotcha. we're going to take a tight five. Do a type five, type five, baby. It is right, eight forty-five. So at eight fifty, we start again. Right, on. guys. Actually, so during the break, we were talking about Blink One Eighty Two. They put out their yeah. their or they they're putting out their new record tomorrow. It leaked, um, so I I've listened to it a little bit. But online on one of the the internet um, uh, locales I frequent, um, somebody was like reviewing the record, and they said, um, "What did they say?" Uh, that that this new <laughs> that this new album is is uh, epic like what like oh yeah it feels like we are watching slash listening to Aragorn slash Legolas slash Gimli on their journey. That's what they think the new that, Blink One Eighty Two yes, album sounds yes. like. <laughs> they they think Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli are Mark, Tom, and Travis, and then the, this is their journey. Wow, interesting take. Yeah, and I was like, I was it's like, wow. it's funny because that that's what so much of the two towers focuses on. That's what the first like half of this book is. You I know? know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's. I mean, you got a preview of the album by reading the first half of this book. Yeah. Did you when you were reading through, you know that that uh, section? Did you get any blank vibes, Connor? Yeah, <laughs> it's like that. That feels a lot like blank when when Gimli said right. that when Gimli made that dick joke. I thought. Wait a minute. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> so so we already went through and figured we were like okay you know what scrubs character is this lord of the rings yeah. character but out of those three who is who in blink do you think connor oh fuck i uh, i don't know that's that's really tough is is tom gimli <laughs> somehow i don't know i kind of i i mean my my initial thought is that aragorn and legolas are like the Tom yeah. and the Mark and Tom. I know. And then like Travis is Gimli, but, but, but Travis doesn't have the personality of of Gimli. You know, like, you're right. He's no, not, you're right. He's very soft spoken and, and very reserved. You're right. You're right. I think Travis is Legolas, I isn't think, he? I think Travis is Legolas. Yeah. You know, not which not means as, Tom is Gimli. I, I think so. <laughs> I think and Mark is Aragorn. I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I think Mark is Aragorn. Tom is I think is Gimli. A little bit a little bit wacky. You know. It's true, uh, and Mark, Mark, you know, is kind of like, oh, he's always been true to Blink. He's never left. He's always pushed through. All like, like he's, yeah, he's the leader. Yeah, so I, I think he is Aragorn. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think I have enough knowledge to participate in this part of the conversation. Okay, oh. but no, I mean, Mark, Mark being Aragorn, like very much, yeah. tracks. Yep. For yep. sure. I think so. I think so. And yeah, I mean like, you know, Gimli and Tom, they both wear their heart on their sleeve. You know, very yes, much so, you that's, know. That's very true. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I actually I don't I mean I feel like I've been proven wrong twice with, with the scrubs and now the the, the Blink one eighty two thing where it's like initially it's like how is this gonna line up? I know. But as soon as you actually just sit down and 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 actually dedicate yourself to the task, it happens very naturally. 
Yeah. There no. are more Lord of the Rings, like, parallels than I think I've realized in our yeah. day-to-day lives. Absolutely. And they're all intentional, too. It's just like Dune, really. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just like it, you know? Um, it's all everywhere you look, you know? It's all there. But when you listen to that album for, for the first time tomorrow, um, keep that in mind. Keep keep the their, their journey in mind. <laughs> you know what's funny is I actually will, um, and I'm not expecting to come away with anything from it, but I remind me okay. next time we talk remind me and i'll see if i have anything to report back on that front okay sounds so. good <laughs> uh yeah so we are we are jumping back into the third chapter of uh book two of the two towers the second chapter of our discussion not to be confusing about how we're describing it here um the black gate is closed so this chapter starts where they just get out of the marshes. Um, they get to survey the landscape a little bit more. And uh, sure enough, they they see the main gates of Mordor in sight of them. Really not very far away at all. Can we, can we just focus on the fact that we are uh, three chapters in to the, to the fourth book of of Lord of the Rings and they're already at Mordor. Yeah. Just book four, chapter three. Or book Yeah, book four, yeah, chapter what the three. Fuck's and happening next they're at Mordor. Book? Is it just the like end. is it just like a like a epilogue? It's it's gonna Must be eight. all glossary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the footnotes Stop. are gonna be the the text. Each step up the Mountain of Doom is just gonna be a different like and this pebble is was thrown by Isildur <laughs> and, and then Give us like a rundown of their entire like, lineage. Who, yeah, yeah, no, the the pebbles lineage of who kicked it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. from right. from the the western seas up the halfway up Mount Dew before Sauron like slit their throat or something. I don't know. It sounds right. like a certain kind of guy would really be into that. And then and then of course you'll have to see the the natural endpoint like because once they step on the pebble and it tumbles down Mount Doom and knocks into several other pebbles and causes such and such to happen, you know, I mean, that that obviously needs to be regaled to us as well. So. <laughs> no, that's when, that's when, that's Adams's uh, uh, side story where the pebble falls down and it creates an <laughs> avalanche that crushes and uh, then falls through a, a transwarp portal into a oh God. different part of the universe where yeah. it starts a, a mini war. <laughs> and then that's, that, that's yeah. the lead into the next Hitchhiker's book. Yeah. Yes. Could be. I mean, could be. Um, the fuck? Wow, my train of thought was just, like, decimated by that. <laughs> Sorry, you were, you're, you were giving a uh, rundown oh, of what oh, happened. Right, oh, chapter. right, no but, no, but your point is, like, wow, isn't it crazy that we're, like, actually at the gates of Mordor? We're there. Yeah. And it, it's true. Like, it, it it's, it's pretty crazy to consider. I mean, we are further along in this book than not but yeah i mean we still have about yeah. a third of the two towers left but they've uh, also they also separated from the the fellowship like less than a week ago yeah yeah <laughs> i i think in this chapter we get like things line up they line up their their movements with the uh, the others they do yeah in the first um, half of the book there's a point where you're right it is this chapter and i think it might even be when frodo's like looking at the gates and it says, like, at this moment, like, Gandalf was uh, arguing with Saruman as, like, the Palantir right. hits oh. the stone steps. Like, and they see the, and they see the, uh, the Nazgul fly away. 
Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, right. I didn't even clock that and think that that must be the same Nazgul from the Palantir chapter, but I think a, I think there were two catch. Nazgul. One, one of them's the one from the Palantir chapter. The other one's just, like, on patrol or something. I may yeah. have, again, I was half asleep, so I may have clocked it twice by accident. Uh, no. Doing that thing no, where you I read the same right. line over and over again. I, yeah, I do that a lot. Yeah. Um, but that that's a great point. Um, and at first, I was kind of confused uh, at that point, Josh, because when they say, like, oh, at this moment, you know, Gandalf is with Saruman and the Palantir hits the steps, I was like, we already read that. But I'm like, oh, wait, like, you're lining up the chronology here, Tolkien. Like, that's what this is. Like, where we're overlaying the timelines on top of one another and saying at this point of where we are in Frodo and Sam's journey, this is what was happening from from the timeline of which we've already read. So we've also read beyond this point from the other party's perspective, where where uh, book one of the Two Towers ends is is beyond where we are now, which would make sense. You know, it seems like Tolkien's going to maybe stay within that scope of time but it's interesting that he comments on it at all. Um, but yeah, so here we are at the Gates of Mordor, and it does kind of feel like, okay, so there's a lot left still. But like we also kind of immediately see the challenge of you can't just stroll up to the Black Gate of Mordor. One um, does not simply walk into Mordor. As they famously say, indeed. Um some and I think, said that. I think, yeah, some guy, right? <laughs> and I think it's even called like it has. Of course, Tolkien likes to name name things, you know, several times over. I think it's specifically called like Morganon or something, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. Not just because it sounds like Ganon, and we both love Zelda, but um, oh yeah, I still haven't finished Tears of the Kingdom. Ugh. Man, yeah, I you got to get on that for sure. Yeah, no, I I've been I played the hell out of it and then just kind of petered off and I I got like to a major story beat like, a couple weeks ago and then I just kind of haven't had time to play. Yeah, the stuff I've been doing and it's, and but I also don't want to just like jump in and finish the main story in like a day. I want to do a few more. I want to keep exploring. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. So, I remember that feeling of like, you know, you're like trying to figure out if you're poised to. Beat going the game. to the end game or not right yeah right uh, yeah, yeah. It, you it really is like a, a self-reflective decision it really is so i i sympathize with you yeah i might i might play this weekend my flight my flight's gonna get canceled due to the weather so i might as well yeah i, anyway. well, I mean i don't want your flight to get canceled but I, I hope you do find yourself some time because um you were like well ahead of me for a very long time and oh yeah i, I don't know if i've mentioned it but i i have beaten it and uh it is Figured. great. Is all I want to say. It is great. So, like a month I ago, I went and rewatched. I rewatched. Sometime. I rewatched all the the cinematics that I had unlocked, except for like two or three, which I have since unlocked, just to re like refresh myself on the story that was happening. Yeah. Um. And now it's been like another month since then. Yeah. So. Anyway, hey, whatever. It just it just means that uh, you we'll know, your journey place. is longer and more epic than most. That's all. I just remembering every time I've like. Face planted, going terminal velocity. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I didn't open the paraglider in time. Epic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So at any rate, um, 
it's uh, here they are but Gollum and is is particularly very adamant like uh, do not do this I like that Frodo is like kind of determined he's like hey I'm here I'm committed to this I said I would do it so if I have to I will march up to those gates and I will bring the ring with me through them you know like he's prepared mm -hmm. to do it and I, I really it was I don't know I just really appreciated that character moment for Frodo again like I don't know. I mean, like, I, I guess we started talking about Zelda, but, you know, like, Frodo kind of is this, like, embodiment of courage unto himself, right? And, like, mm. even in the face of impossible odds, he says he will do it, you know? Like, he rationally knows that if he marches up to the gates, he'll die. But that won't stop him from doing it because yep. he believes it's the right thing to do. Gollum has to persuade him to take the safer route. And I, I appreciate that about Frodo, too, that he's, like, so single-minded about it. So now I'm thinking Frodo is, Frodo is courage, Gandalf <laughs> is, is wisdom, Sauron, or Sauron is power, yeah. and Gollum must be fucking Navi. <laughs> there we go. It all... It's, it's easier no, said than no, done. No, Sam is Navi. Sam is yeah. Navi. Okay. I guess you're right. I don't know I if I'm going to think Gollum. of who the Gollum analog would be in Zelda. I don't think there really is one in Zelda, actually. Like, just the creepy character. Feels like they would be in Tingle. Majora's Mask if they are. Tingle. Yeah, maybe Tingle. Gollum's Tingle. Gollum is Tingle. Yeah, maybe maybe Tingle. No, he is. That. Yeah, no, he just is. <laughs> um, anyway. Anyways is right. Okay, so ultimately, the, the summation of this chapter, which we've been dancing around, is they get to the gate, Frodo's like, all right, let's do it. Uh, Gollum is like, I am begging you, please do not do it. Um, there's another... The it's the precious. Right, yes, yes. Um, and so Gollum is like, there's another path. I used it when I escaped from Mordor. You know, you may remember. And uh, they spend a lot of time, like, considering what to do next. Um, yeah, I was wondering why I had, like, a... Like a ten-page gap in my notes. Yeah, there, there's a lot of time spent <laughs> considering. Um, they even kind of like observe the gates themselves. There's like a group of men from the south who are like joining the ranks of Sauron's army. Yeah, I had a note on that. Right, um, and then like we get more commentary on the wing and Nazgul as well. Like it's it's clear that as they reach like the epicenter of uh, you know Sauron's hold that like there there is a darkness that is gathering and it's real you know it's it's not just like this theoretical oh the land is evil it makes me feel sad it's like there are actual like armies right yes yeah like like the people are amassing to create a force that will be unleashed upon the rest of middle earth like this is the tides of war gathering and then waiting to be unleashed. Um, so, so the threat is real, and they see a building here. Um, but like, kind of because of that too, I think I think it's particularly the wing and Nazgul too that kind of breaks them from their reverie. They're like sitting there thinking, and it's like, holy shit! Like we have to make a decision. And then Frodo eventually is like, okay, Gollum, let's let's do it. We're gonna go your way. And then the chapter ends. Um. Given that synopsis, well, Gollum might have 
Gollum has ulterior motives as well. He, I has, think. he does. No, he does. Something um, about a her. Yep. Do you, Do you want? Is Is there anything I else you want to mention there, or do you want to start there? I have some speculations from a couple scenes I remember from the movies, and I think that might be what's going on going to happen. But I don't want to. I don't want to do spoilers. Mm. So right. I, I have theories, but I don't want to get into spoilers about that. Right. But they're they're rooted in your meta knowledge. Yes, that's yes, that's a great way of putting it. I have yeah. theories based on meta knowledge, and I could be very wrong. And if, when we get to whoever this her is, I'll be able to tell you. Okay. If I was wrong, or if I was absolutely right about what they're walking into. That's always fun. I like when the moment happens, and then you get to say, like, aha, this is what I was talking about three episodes ago. That's always fun. Yeah. <laughs> or it happens next chapter. Who knows? Mm. Yeah. No, very, very true. I guess it's probably more likely to be sooner than later, but I guess we'll see. Um, Connor, what do you uh, what do you make of this chapter? Anything you want to share about it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I I I thought it was pretty good, and I guess it's it's I it's just kind of funny. Yeah, they they get to one entrance, and then it's like, oh wait, this we can't go through this one, so we'll you know they kind of it's always like starting another journey once you end a mini journey you start another one but um yeah but no i mean like the, the highlight was you know frodo's uh you know he kind of revealed he he was not really as ignorant and in the clouds as as sam maybe thought he was his last few chapters and um mm-hmm. does does know what uh Gollum is is up to what he's thinking um and you know it it, it did feel like he pulled some gandalf energy you know kind of like snapping <laughs> everyone into check um so I, I I really did appreciate that. Um He learned from the best. Yes, yeah. indeed. And uh also yeah, you know, talk talking about Gandalf, right? And in, in, in this chapter, or thinking about Gandalf. What what would Gandalf do? Does does Gandalf even know uh which way we go? Has he ever been here? I don't know. Um Yeah, yeah. That was all nice to to hear. Um and uh yeah a little bit more mystery into to Smeagol's um plans or past or uh i don't know it was, yeah it was a good it was a good chapter and, and uh it 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 makes me all revved up hopefully they can actually get into mordor right yeah i i will want to go back to that whole uh Frodo's like speech warning against Smeagol that you talked about, but I, I first wanted to go off of you mentioning that Frodo had like these Gandalf qualities, and that's not something I've really found myself thinking. So I, I, I appreciate you sharing that, and um, it immediately made me think. I remember from our previous uh, episode though. The, the very end of the first book of The Two Towers, Gandalf says, like, uh, you know, our hope is in haste or something. And then the very mm-hmm. beginning of the next chapter, beginning of book two, Frodo says the same thing. And I had commented on that, like, oh, isn't that interesting that they're both saying that? But I didn't even really equate that to, like, yeah, you know, Frodo's becoming more Gandalf-like. But, like, you kind of shouting that out here feels like the connective tissue between those moments. Like... It, it kind of feels like in the absence of Gandalf, you know, someone must like rise to be the new Gandalf. Like yeah. someone has to take up that position, you know? Absolutely. You know, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, clearly 
<clears throat> even in his absence, he is still here just by the massive influence on Frodo he has, um, you know, put upon him. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. And even just a little bit more than that, though, but like, like when Gandalf is around, we spend a lot of time talking about how much of a dick he is, you know? And and he is. Like, all the flaws that we point out about Gandalf are are real. Like, But I feel like, in a way, given what you're saying here, Connor, and, and the way that I'm putting it together, I'm kind of trying to posit that, that um, maybe Tolkien is showcasing that those qualities in a leader that, you know... Um, people people will um resent while they're present are the same qualities that are necessary in their absence the the reason that those people act the way that they do is because you need someone with those qualities to lead people through like those difficult times and i'm not uh here to say that tolkien's right about that or or even indeed that that is what he's trying to say because we've also talked a lot about maybe the difficulties of trying to put a, a hold onto what Tolkien is trying to say through Lord of the Rings. But, um, but, but just that, like we, we so often make fun of Gandalf for the way that he is. And here, like Frodo kind of has to rise to that level, you know, and like, we're, we're kind of commending him for it. Right. It's like, isn't it, it's kind of interesting. I think the way that those two things are in like contention with each other. I, I think in a way there's this idea that Gandalf is the way that he is for better and for worse because like his environment has, has shaped him to be that way. He has found he needs to be that way in order to like lead men through great actions. I don't know. That's where I'm at with that. Yeah, I think that's a fair um, <clears throat> kind of thought, and and I I, I, I do think it is it's uh, a through line within Tolkien's work too. I mean, and 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 it even uh, it, it it doesn't just stop with with Gandalf, right? You know, it's like there's there's like these different kinds of of leaders too, because obviously Aragorn leads too, but in a different way, um, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I you know it's like a it's it's all these different kinds of noble men I guess is is kind of uh, a, a lot of what Tolkien has been illustrating. Um, yeah, Tolkien loves noble men. We we love our men here. <laughs> <laughs> we sure do. Yeah. There was actually a good line um, in this chapter that actually reminded me a bit of what Aragorn would say. Um, but it, it was uh, who said it? Sorry, I'm just gonna figure that out. Um, I don't know if anyone actually said it, but it's uh, ap- and after all, he never had any real hope in this affair from the beginning. But being a cheerful hobbit, he had no, he had not needed hope as long as despair could be postponed. So I, he's talking about Sam in that instance. Um, but it just seemed like a an, an Aragorn line, just in the narration. Yeah. So the the effects are, or yeah. the, the influences are kind of leading through. And I, you know, Tolkien is just saying that he is every one of those men. 
<laughs> right. Self-insert character? Try yeah. a self-insert cast. Exactly. Just different <laughs> aspects of his personality. It's funny, because I, I really don't think that's true for Tolkien, but boy, does that make me think of Dune. Yeah, oh my <laughs> fucking god, I know. But anyways, enough about Dune. <laughs> I, I do I like your your point there too Josh um, because like we have seen moments where Aragorn is like f- fatally positive like I'm immediately reminded of that moment where uh, they're in Fangorn Forest and Gimli's like if we keep going forwards without knowing when we're gonna leave we might starve and Aragorn's like so be it <laughs> yep let's go starve in the woods it's like let's all really? starve together right you, you don't want to think that through buddy okay. <laughs> So I do also, think it's a they forest. They find something to eat. You would think so, anyway. especially Aragorn as a ranger, like, or Legolas as an elf of the forest. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess I guess they could have commented on that. I don't know. Kind of an oversight on Tolkien's part. I don't know. Doesn't feel like he thought this whole Lord of the Rings thing through, if you ask me. Poor world building. Yeah, <laughs> that's if. I think that's a common complaint about these uh, these books here, for sure. <laughs> if anyone's known for poor world building, it's J.R. or Tolkien. My biggest complaint is that there's not enough walking around the woods. Yeah. I want some more walking around the woods. That's what we need. Come on, man. Um. Okay, so there's a couple things I want to just, like, jump around to, and then... um. Sure. You know, let me know. Let me know what strikes you. The I first thing. Notes. Oh, okay. The first thing. It's on the very first page where um, they're talking about the watchtowers and how they were built by uh, the men of Gondor. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the description and the idea that like they were built out of this initial victory of the defeat of Sauron and mm-hmm. like. How how fucking wicked is it that they have been repurposed to once again serve Sauron? Like I'm gonna say once again, but to to then serve Okay, Sauron. right, yes, yeah, right. Yeah. Not not once again, but like within within his within his uh his lands, within his region, right? Like he he repurposes it eventually to serve himself. And it's just like you know, Sauron's just playing the long game. Like, you know, it has just been like I don't even think we are aware of how many centuries it's been, but like it's clear it's been a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure I don't there's know. a timeline out there somewhere, but yeah. There, oh no, I mean like I, there certainly is, but but given what we know only from reading the text, I think it's less clear to us. But um, I just really love the idea that uh, because one. Uh, talking about like Tolkien sucking at world building, you know, it's like, uh, um, <laughs> I know we're kind of taking the piss there, but, um, just like, Tolkien, like world building. <laughs> because, because like you, I think that you could read through this book without ever once asking yourself, why are there these massive towers built like within the mountain range of Mordor? Like why you're reading a fantasy epic. Why would you even ask yourself that? But I feel like Tolkien has already accounted for potentially someone asking themselves, where did these giant watchtowers come from? And he's like, aha. Well, the answer, as a matter of fact, is that the men of Gondor built them 
Thousands of years ago, after the initial destruction of Sauron, in victory of his slaying, on his old lands, you know, it's like, and so on and so forth. Yes! To keep vigilant watch. And it's like, just such a great, it's like, and it's just such a throwaway line. That's what I also want, like, it's just uh, nothing. Like, it's not even a paragraph, it's like two or three lines, done. But then the, but then he, the way he ends it is still like really good writing is, but the strength of Gondor failed and men slept, and for long years the tower stood empty. Yes. Then Sauron returned. Yes. Not somehow. Then. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so it's, I don't know. I just, I really, I really liked, I really like that. And and you're right, Josh, too. Like, because even more than that, like, not to get hung up on it, but like, you really can get hung up on small lines like this. But that, it's, that he frames it as a failure of men as well, right? Like, Sauron's return mm-hmm. was not inevitable. Like, there have been so many times throughout the years isn't that a question that they um, that they give? Oh, fuck, what was his name uh, in Rivendell? Um, Elrond. Elrond. Yeah, it's like where were you when the strength of men failed, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, right. And then but that's at that point, get... but at that point, they're referring to what's his name not throwing the ring into the it, not destroying the ring. Exactly. Right. Right. And that that's like the I don't know. That, that, that's like one of those like original sin moments, right? Yeah, that's a seal door, right? Yeah. Like he he has the opportunity to destroy the ring, and then like none of this would have ever happened. And of course, he's a man, so he, he sucks and it fails. Yeah. That's one. Of, that's that's actually I mean, like I enjoy is the uh, throw it in the fire, destroy it, and then the guy just looking over his shoulder, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um. But yeah. So so that was a great line. Um. Shortly after that, this is when uh, the 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 army from the south is like joining Sauron's ranks. Josh, you said you wanted to talk about that a bit. Um, what I just want to start with quickly, though, before you do, is Frodo. Upon realizing that like these these men are gathering in support of Sauron rather that rather than to uh, battle against him. Frodo thinks back to his vision on Amon Hen at the end of Fellowship, and that's a, okay. I I wasn't certain if that's what it was referring to, but I yeah. So. Oh. Yeah, and he realizes he like initially. I, I don't remember it very clearly, but the way that the text here frames it, it sounds like initially Frodo was thinking that oh, like maybe these people are gathering to fight against Sauron, and now in this moment, I mean, like it's fucking shit. Talk about Dune. Like, he's watching his vision unfold before him, and he realizes his folly of believing he understands the future, like everyone Mm. does in literature. And um, it's like, oh, shit, like, these people are not gathering to destroy the enemy. Like, they're they're gathering to support him. You know, it's like, we are so much more fucked than I could have ever realized. Um, So I, I really liked that. I, I I didn't even really remember Frodo's vision, and I didn't even really think of it as important. But I like that Tolkien like folds it back in here, um, because it, I don't know, it, it's a cool moment for Frodo, and it's just interesting to be like, oh yeah, like we really get to see Sauron amassing his power as well. Um, so that's what I want to say about that. If you want to jump into what you were thinking about for the army or anything there as well, Josh, I think it'd be a good time. So. My thought on that was when Smeagol's describing these men, dark faces, um, dark black eyes, long black hair, gold ring, 
lots of gold rings in their ears, um, red paint on the cheeks, red cloaks, red flags, and the tips of their spears, uh, round shields, yellow and black with big spikes. Um, it's just it 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 all struck me as like these sound like African uh, motifs, and it's just like it yes. He getting into Africa? Is he call these people Africans or like describing African as people? Because Middle Earth is supposed to be a predecessor to our Earth. It's like hmm. That that what is what it sounded like at first, but then I mean, I it's it's just a di- you know obviously. But then then they bring up they were asking if these men from the south again Middle Earth is presumably somewhere in England, Middle Europe maybe Ireland esque like that kind of region. Um, they're asking if these men from the South have brought in, uh, all offense. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we've had bears. We've had eagles. We've had spiders. Um, uh, but the one creature that like, you have to not just like straight up make a thing is the elephant. You had to make a new thing. Yeah, and called the Oliphant. I love the Oliphant. I love the description. Or the, <laughs> it's the uh, one song. thing that's not one to one. Yeah, yeah, that it was. For it took me, it took me, it took me like a minute. I was like, this is just an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing: I remember the giant elephants from the movies. And oh, okay. Yeah, it's like the, they're the just giant elephants. Snake for a nose gave it away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, to both your points there josh i think if you're being charitable you can interpret dark faces as tolkien being like oh you know the like the wickedness of men like not even not even their skin like literally their expressions like their demeanor like it is it is the nature of them is dark yeah it is a golem describing them and he's also referred he's referred to the son of the moon as as uh, faces as well. Yes. So, and those right. are bright and dim, respectively. And, and I, I, again, like I think, I think if you were really trying to like reach and be like, oh no, Tolkien didn't mean that because you can interpret it this way. It's like so far from what we've read, I think that's fair, and you really can make an argument. But I mean, at the same time, I think being realistic about it, it's like, well, where do those conventions come from in the first place? Where does that terminology originally originate? How did it come to be? It's like, well, those things are certainly rooted in like otherism and racism. And so I I do think regardless of how Tolkien meant it, it's very much coming from that place of othering people you know um and i I was also struck by that so i'm glad you brought it up because like my first thing is like oh wait so they're evil because their skin is dark and it's like um okay or is their skin dark because they're evil yes yeah like i i don't i don't think it is like so explicit where it's like wow tolkien holy fuck but i i think it's I do think it's all related regardless of what his intent is. Those things are certainly connected. Like that is there. I think for sure. Yeah. But he's definitely not racist. Definitely not racist though. (laughs) He made up five different races and they're all very white. (laughs) Thank you, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) 
There we go. He proved our point then. Yeah. <laughs> this is English mythology, motherfucker. What did you expect to happen? Taxes. Yeah. Chapter jumps is not in support of this. You know, we're 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 just reading and interpreting. Okay. And who knows? You know, who knows? But no, I mean, I, I thought I, I thought the same thing, Josh. Um, yeah, it's just weird because I'm I'm like I was a war awake at this point. I'm just reading this line lying there. It's like, wait a minute. These sound like African motifs and like like colors that are typically associated with African uh, flags and and artwork and hmm yeah I think maybe <laughs> even more specifically in history or, or, isn't it a uh, like Persia that's famous for going to war on elephants um is that right there's a few nations a few empires like i maybe persia i I know carthage the uh i think was the the march of hannibal on rome oh that's maybe that's what i'm thinking of do you mean that they that they use elephants in war or that they they're fighting the elephants in a war (laughs) no they're using the elephants the war yeah they're okay yeah no war of i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure india used elephants quite a bit but yeah well these are oliphants okay so yeah let's Right, true. Very different. Have you ever features. seen medieval? Have you ever seen medieval rendition European renditions of like African creatures, like lions and giraffes and elephants? They're really weird. Any like, time anyone from the Middle Ages tried to draw an animal, they got it wrong. Yeah, I, I picture oliphants as like uh, heffalumps. Yeah, I, I think they they are a bit more menacing than that, but but just as colorful. unfortunately, I. I guess the heffalumps are kind of scary. Or you know they what? No, scary. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of the uh, that whole like elephant thing from uh, what is it? Dumbo. Well, Dumbo is an elephant. No, no, Dumbo himself is an elephant. But there's like a famous scene in that where it's like March of the Pink Elephants or something. Oh yeah, I, I pink I elephants which is, It's it's like a nightmare vision. Okay. So they're um, yeah. Hmm. Heffalumps uh, are, I mean, I'm, heffalumps real, are, real, real Dumbo heads would know is all heffalumps I'm saying. Heffalumps are so. a night. That's a nightmare sequence too, though. Maybe there was something with like elephants. Really, I don't know. I mean, like in somewhere deep within the human psyche, you know, yeah, is, is yeah. seeing that animal. And I mean, like, what what other conclusion could you possibly come to? Evil elephants, right? <laughs> and, and you know, the sick part is like how fucking like peaceful and and. Uh, you know, like established are our elephants themselves within yeah. like their own society. You know, it's like you know, they're big, big. Uh, I mean, uh, beautiful creatures. They're they're uh, they're like creatures that that like you know are like you would believe that they were like a myth. You know what I mean? Like just if someone yeah. drew, if someone drew one, well, like, right? That's and that, and that's where this is coming from, right? Like the whole yeah. poem thing with Sam, yeah. like. I don't know. Someone should like make a story where it's about like how man is the real monster. You know, it's like you would think like the monster is like some other monster, but like it turns out like it's man in the end. Damn, I, I can't believe I no one just, has done okay. that. Okay, open open up the general chat. I just shared a link. <laughs> that will probably the Simpsons link right there that I was thinking of when you were talking about that. What was that? I just heard my wife from somewhere. I'm not sure what that was. Wait, who Did Connor? You hear who'd that? you hear? Connor, who'd you hear? My wife. No, who who though? 
my wife. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You made me do that. Not happy about it. I'm sorry. No one's happy about it. I hope hope you guys know what you just did. I'm sorry. Okay. I I hope you have a comfortable couch, Connor. <laughs> yeah, um, I do actually. But yeah, for, oh, for those... oh, it's a Simpsons thing. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were talking about how like the elephants are peaceful and we make them jerks and stuff like that. And I'm just like, there's a whole. You're like, why does anyone <laughs> say like man's the real anim- the, the real monster here? And it's like, here we go. Like yeah. everything. So for those ones, do it first. <laughs> it's yeah. God. It's so true. Damn. Like people, Mrs. Simpson, some animals are just jerks. So true. Okay, let's let's refocus and gather our energy. We're going to finish strong here. Um, so, okay, right, the whole, the men from the south, the Oliphants, that's all great. Um, we have kind of, we've mentioned this several times, we've danced around it. Let's just get into Frodo's warning to Smeagol. Uh, if you don't mind, I will read it. And then we'll we we can talk about what we want to say here. So mm-hmm. it says, uh, then he turned to Gollum, Smeagol. He said, "I will trust you once more. Indeed, it seems that I must do so, and that it is my fate to receive help from you where I least looked for it, and your fate to help me, whom you long pursued with evil purpose. So far, you have deserved well of me and have kept your promise truly. Truly, I say and mean." He added with a glance at Sam. For twice now we have been in your power, and you have done no harm to us, nor have you tried to take from me what you once sought. May the third time prove the best. But I warn you, Smeagol, you are in danger. Yes, yes, master, said Gollum. Dreadful danger. Smeagol's bones shake to think of it, but he doesn't run away. He must help, nice master. I did not mean the danger that we all share, said Frodo. I mean a danger to yourself alone. You swore a promise by what you call the precious. Remember that. It will hold you to it. But it will seek a way to twist it to your own undoing. Already you are being twisted. You revealed yourself to me just now, foolishly. Give it back to Smeagol, you said. Do not say that again. Do not let that thought grow in you. You will never get it back. But the, desi- but the desire of it may betray you to a bitter end. You will never get it back. In the last need, Smeagol, I should put on the precious. And the precious mastered you long ago. If I wearing it were to command you, you you would obey. Even if it were to leap from a precipice or to cast yourself into the fire. And such would be my command. So have a care, Smeagol. Hmm. And... I, I really, the, the first thing I want to start with, and then tell me what you think, but the first thing I want to start with really is, um, I feel like this is just such a sign of the corruption in Frodo himself as well, that he would yes. give this threat to Smeagol, that he would be like, if I put this fucking ring on and I told you to jump into fucking fire, you would do it, you know? Like, just that he would say that to him. <laughs> like, he seems to kind of relish in it, in the power, I think. Yeah, I think no, that's yeah, true. you're absolutely right. Um, I do want to. This actually kind of ties to one of my notes real quick. Uh, earlier on, when he he points out in his speech there that uh, Smeagol had told him to give him the the precious, um, and it was that point where he kind of sneaks it in there. But there's a whole point where um, Gollum's trying to convince them not to go to the gate 
because then Sauron gets the ring, and uh, I think this is the first time, even if it's not entirely genuine, uh, genuine, that Gollum slash Smeagol is insisting that somebody else keep the ring, because he, he initially says Frodo should keep it. Um, but maybe he could give it to Smeagol. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, but it's still like a moment where it's like, wow, Smeagol's actually suggesting that the ring be with somebody else for a moment. That's different. It's true. Even if that was in jest or like as part of his plan, like even the fact that he could bring himself to form those words without is throwing probably up, amazing. Yeah, yeah, right. Like I yeah. mean that's gotta be powerful. Yeah. Uh but yeah, we going back to Frodo's speech, it's uh definitely a sign of his corruption and um maybe a little foreshadowing of what's to come yeah things could get worse um was was there anything there you wanted to add connor or like just what what you made of um i don't know frodo frodo saying that in the first place anything else um no no i don't have any any further thoughts i um i don't know i think I, I feel like it could be this could be a uh i'm interested in in how the the dynamic grows with with the three of them and and where it comes to a head because i i don't know i also feel like sam could could lose it at some point you know what I, yeah you're right and, and you know why I asked you to and what I'm wondering about specifically is like you've talked before about kind of waiting for like, you know, ring shit to happen. And like there was that big moment at the end of Fellowship where Boromir like kind of freaks out, tries to take the ring. Like that was like the big ring moment in Fellowship. I was kind of wondering if you interpreted this as like a ring moment while you as were reading shit. it. Yeah, no, this is ring shit. <laughs> this is definitely ring shit. Um, I yeah, yeah, I think it. I actually think that the the previous chapter leading into this chapter does a really good job at kind of uh, signposting that a little bit or subtly setting it up um, because obviously you know he's he's weighed down physically by the ring um, and Sam thinks he's checked out and then all of a sudden no he you know he kind of snaps into whatever uh, kind of new new. Um, uh, you know, like whatever the ring is causing personality. Him. Personality, yeah, and uh, so so I think it's it's clear that that the ring is is having a um, a big effect, and that's actually kind of that's the whole thing is is that going forward, obviously, as they get closer and closer to Mordor to the center, um, it's going to get more and more apparent, I would think, and so I think that will lead to um, a breakdown of some sorts. Uh, yeah. Soon. Sooner than later, I think. Well, yeah, that, that that's cool to hear your take on that. Um, I'm definitely interested to see where that goes, because as Josh and I mentioned, too, even though like we're more familiar with the story, like this is also, I think, where our biggest blind spot is. And so, uh, yeah, I, I am just as curious as you are in this moment to see, like, when are these events going to happen and like how, how does it all tie into each other um it's cool to be thinking about that together um let's see i have a few other notes that that aren't all totally related um 
I like that. Uh, my last note before you get into those. Sure. Um, Sam has this guess that Smeagol and Gollum have are kind of working, like have this mutual agreement, like a truce to make sure Frodo doesn't lose the ring to, to Sauron. Right. Uh, but my favorite part about that passage is that we, we find out that Sam is thinking of Smeagol and Gollum as uh, Slinker and Stinker. Yes, <laughs> I, knew, yes. I knew you would love that. Oh, That's that was so funny. Good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just how it feels like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah. He's got jokes. But it's very it's a, much Sam. What yeah. Sam would think. No, it is. I love that insight into his character that, that he has his own little uh, catchy nicknames for them. Yeah, that's really funny. And both of them are disparaging. You know, it's like he hates yep. both halves just in different ways. <laughs> um, so so th- thinking about... Um, Smeagol, he has this line, page 250. Um, I think this is when Gollum is mentioning, like, he, he's still trying to advocate for his route as the best route to take. And um, he's talking about how they're being observed. You know, I think they're also thinking about the winged Nazgul. And Smeagol says, um, he says, he, referring to Sauron, who is often referred to as capital H, he, he says, he can't see everything all at once. Not yet. Um, I wanted to shout that line out because I really liked, I think in the last chapter, Josh, you mentioned a line that had a not yet in it and the implications of that. And I'm kind of spacing, but I don't remember at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fine. But um but this this line kind of made me think similarly where it's like he could have just stopped at he can't see everything, period. But he says not right. yet. And I really I really love the implications of that qualifier because I was wondering like what is the tipping point there? Is the reason that Sauron yeah. can't see everything because he doesn't have the ring? Like if he had the ring, would he be able to see everything everywhere all at once gotcha so Perhaps. no one's gonna good question i unfortunately have not seen that movie but it's all right don't worry. my notes see don't worry about it i, it does, it, I, I it get a feeling matter. i'd enjoy it i just know nothing yeah, about it, at this we, point. it i think matter. we've had this conversation before i think josh would really we have it. yeah josh oh yeah no i mean it. it's it's a great movie um but anyways so so it's like or, or is it even just that, like, we kind of get this idea that Sauron is sort of, like, reforming and, re, you know, rebuilding himself. Like, he, he used to be, like, a Rowing. physical entity in his own body, and he was destroyed, but he can't truly die as long as the ring still exists. So, like, is it also that he's still amassing power? Like, I, there's no answers to these questions. It's just interesting to speculate, I think. But I, I just like that. It feels like Smeagol knows something that we don't know too. Like yes. just just by him saying that, it's like, how how does Smeagol know that, and what does he know? You know, like that's particularly what like really made me stop and think. Like, what are the limits of his knowledge? Because he, well, he so often captive. plays dumb. You know. Yeah. Well, he was a captive and was interrogated by Sauron at some point. So I imagine he's had some direct contact. Yeah. 
Yeah, much, much more direct than anyone else in the cast than we've seen so far. Um, well, except maybe, uh, was it Pippin and Saruman? Yeah, but I mean, Smeagol was physically there in Mordor. I wonder... True. I mean, it could have even been more personal. I We really don't know. We certainly know that Smeagol is fucking afraid of Sauron. Like... Mm-hmm. So, um, but, but yeah, I just, I mean, and like at the same time, I like Sauron having blind spots because it also feels like Tolkien is always kind of considering like, okay, like if Sauron is this overwhelming force with this ever growing army, then how is it that, you know, two little hobbits are, and and this little ghoul are able to, you know, evade what is effectively like an empire of evil. You know, how can that happen? In Star Wars, that question is a fun question. It's like, oh, you know, you know it's a rip-roaring good time. You know, it's Where's a... the little ghoul in Star Wars? Uh, Yoda. So... Yeah. I was going to say Chewie. Yeah. It's all Yoda. <laughs> but, you gotta but like, you know, you can, you can have those moments where it's like, the the disparity of the threat and and the and the the good guys is like kind of part of the fun but here like Tolkien doesn't want to disengage you from that he doesn't want you to go oh don't think about it you know just have fun it's a popcorn flick i'm not trying to be so simple with it either cuz i don't think that's george lucas's intention but but for the sake of argument i'm just mm-hmm. broad brush strokes here and so Tolkien um is is a lot more brass tacks with it, right? You know, he's like, here are the specific reasons why this is plausible. You know, like I'm, you're going on this journey with me, the author. Like we're doing it together. Here's why I, the writer, believe this could happen. And so, like, he takes a lot of great care to show, like, here are the weaknesses of Sauron as well. You know, it'll be his arrogance. It'll be the fact that he's still regaining his power. He still has to rebuild his army. You know, he has to use some of his forces to oppose Saruman. Uh, you know, several times over, Tolkien will mention, like, it could be so easy for Sauron to just decimate everybody, but here's why that doesn't happen. And we, we get another moment of that here, too. And I, I, it's vague, but I like that he does it at all. I, I think that's cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's, it's very subtle, though, so I never get to put that in words. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. Pick up, yeah. Um, it is, but I, I don't know. The more we read into Lord of the Rings as the, the, the further we go into it, the more I feel like I learn about Sauron. Like, that's very interesting to me because (laughs) I've always thought of Sauron as like this very like vague, amorphous, like, Oh, uh, they're just evil kind of threat. Kind of like the Fire Lord in Avatar. Yeah, Fire Lord and Avatar, or even going back to Zelda, kind of reminds me of Calamity Ganon, where it's like, it's like they're just evil and they're everywhere. Like, yeah. their corruption has spread across the land. Like, they're just bad. Um, but I do, I, and I, I get that understanding because I think on the surface, that's like immediately what you're struck by. I think that's like very easy to read Lord of the Rings and come away with that understanding. But having these discussions and focusing more on it, it does feel like there's a lot more going on like under the hood 
with with Sauron and I I like to take the time to talk that out with you guys and think about it so uh I'm interested to see where that goes but but yeah you know it's like oh he he can't see it everywhere you know like he's he's portrayed as this all-seeing eye you know but it's like oh he can't see everywhere why not we don't know but he yeah. can't and I mean it is uh, uh you know lucky I, I I did have this this thought um during this chapter is that it is lucky if if luck is such a thing that's applicable here that they are with you know one of the only people probably on the planet who who knows of Sauron's weak spots right yeah um so I don't <laughs> I don't know no you're right you're right and I mean in that speech that I read just prior Frodo has a line where he's like you know it seems you're fated to help me like if if fate is such a thing or he even yeah. kind of like vocalizes that thought too it's like yeah yeah you know, I would say is fate it, and is luck is different or not. Yeah, different things, but I it guess they be. can be kind of intertwined. Yeah, I, I mean, and like different aspects of the same. That was concept. such a big part of Hitchhikers too, like a yeah. like a whole yeah. You're story right. built on coincidences, and then like I feel like the question is always like, well, is this one in like one million four hundred thousand six hundred seventy two whatever like. Is it a coincidence, or is it the only thing that could have happened, no matter how unlikely I, it seems? I mean, you know... The answer, The answer though, is 42. It of is, absolutely. Course, but it the answer is. is also Dune, isn't it? Because, <laughs> I mean, we go back to... We go back to fate 40 and, Dune. But, you know, that's what Dude, Dune's 40 about. 40 Dune, hell yeah. It's all 40 Dune. <laughs> yeah. It's... Isn't it... Isn't it... You know, you just take, like, one moment to reflect, and it's like the more book series where we read it's like just an endless just, chain of boss baby takes we list them all we go down the line we list them all one by one this is just like when that happened in star wars yeah <laughs> oh and also hitchhikers yeah hey you know the 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 very last thing that we read isn't it funny that there's a strong <laughs> exact connection to this thing that we just happen to be reading i know so, so actually crazy. kind of funny thing funny thing I, I just finished watching soul eater um uh the other the other day and i started a new show and there's a character that shows up with a new show that has some of the same like character design elements from one of the characters in Soul Eater, and it's just like, what are the coincidences that I've never seen this character trait before? It's literally just a screw through the head, and it may be some cultural thing in Japan that I'm not fully aware of, but I've never seen that character trait before in a major character, and now it's been in two consecutive shows that I watched that came apart, came out literally like 20 years apart, or 15, I guess, and it's just, what's the fucking coincidence on that? I don't know. Probably 42. Probably. Probably so. It was just, it was just weird, but yes, yeah, it's, it's what you were saying about the books. It's like, yeah, we're going to compare everything to the last thing we just consumed, yeah. but it's just like, oh, this is just too easy. Not to, how can you not <laughs> see the connection there? They're full of, they're full of, uh, stitches all across the body and they got a giant screw through their head. What the fuck? Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it all, it sounds like in, in your example, it's like, a very, very specific, but it is, it is very much so. It is funny. It's been on my mind. Like, like I, I like to laugh at ourselves. You know, we always do. But like, there, there is kind of like an innate quality to just be like, you know, 
of course the last thing you read is going to be most prominent in your memory. So why yeah. would that not be the thing you make a connection to? But it's, uh, it is also just stupid. Like upon any further analysis, like it's just dumb. Um, but hey, that's what we like do. Us. So it sounds like the Bible. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have never read the Bible. I don't want to hear this shit from you. <laughs> oh, I've read excerpts. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Many yeah. people have. The one uh, about I've the... Read, uh, I've read excerpts, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Anyhow. no, no, please please go on. Do you oh, want to tell us gonna, the excerpts you've um, read from the Bible? There was this guy in it. Uh-huh. He was, like, the main guy. Right. <laughs> the main character of the Bible. The main Who's guy, that? and... Um, you know, I just remember, like, bad things happening. There's just, like, a lot of bad okay. things that happen. That's, that's kind of just... Problem with the Old Testament. That's all that's, that's all that I remember, but... So, so, so it is, it, right, you know, it and in the like end, like, is, is that not Lord of the Rings, yeah. right? You know, from what I hear, what we should really be reading next, if you want to have some Bible allegories, is uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Not, Which I mean w- w- was was written as uh, Tolkien's contemporary, so some interesting stuff. You know what? Whatever, we don't have to do all that. Um, Josh, do you have any Go other notes you wanna? No, we actually got through all my notes. Oh wow! Holy shit! So I'm just yeah. sitting here with. Okay, um, is there anything I didn't talk about yet? Um, let's see. Oh oh oh. So, uh, the, really the very last thing that I want to mention, so there's, there's essentially three ways into Mordor. They're the Black Gate, um, which of course they're at, but they decide not it's to closed. go through. And it's closed. The boots out front should have told you. That's true. It's closed. Um, then there's like this other route that people know about that ultimately leads into the desert, which is, like, where I think we get this idea of the men from the South coming to, but, like, Gollum kind of comments on that. There's there's this other, like, main road that people don't often take. It's very perilous. Um, and then the last one is Smeagol's Way. And Smeagol's Way kind of deviates from this third main way, but the third main way is really fascinating. It's through Minas Ithil. Um which is now known as Minas Morgul, because mm-hmm. much like the Watchtower, as we mentioned at the beginning of this chapter, it has been overtaken by the forces of evil. Um, but it's, like, equally fascinating that this city was founded by a Isildur, which has fallen to ruin. Um, but just this idea that, like, that a Isildur was the one to sever the the finger off of Sauron um, and detach the ring from him to, to destroy him ultimately. Um, and then like kind of in like this like sort of hubris of man moment, Isildur is like, we did it. Let's build the watchtowers. Let's build Minas Ithil. Like let's fucking build this like ultimate city upon the grounds of the foe 
that we have felled. Like, he thinks he won. And now we see here, centuries removed, who occupies Minas Ithil? Well, it's not even fucking Minas Ithil anymore, motherfucker. It's fucking Minas Morgul, because it's occupied by goddamn orcs and the forces of darkness. Like, there has to be some sort of, like, irony that Sauron is appreciative of and, like, enjoys in the fact that he now occupies this place that was built essentially like on top of his grave, you know? But of course he never truly died. Um, and so Minas Ithil, which was made as like a testament to the destruction of Sauron, is uh, eventually repurposed into like kind of the ultimate domain of Sauron. I, you know, yeah, certainly they, not the ultimate one. Yeah, That's very kind of building, Have you? building his future home unknowingly. Yes! Yes! Yeah. yeah. Yes! <laughs> Um, so, have you guys looked at the map at all after I reading this chapter? recently. No. So it what strikes me is, first off, Mordor is a very square land. Like, the mountains just make it two 90-degree turns. I did see that, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so what happened is we we followed them basically to the, to the northwest corner, and that's where the Black Gate is located. And they're about to follow the main road along the, the north-south stretch of mountains, and Minas Morgul, this intersection where they say, like, yeah, you can continue straight on, go south all the way down to the sea, or you can turn right and head to Minas Tirith, or you can head left and head to Minas Morgul. That intersection is, like, right in the middle of one of the maps. And Minas Tirith and Minas Morgul are so close together, like, you can you could probably see them from each other. Hmm. Uh, depends on what the, the actual, like, landscape looks like, but it's... It's really close, and it, it's weird. Like I was looking at that, I was like, "Wait, this is the back entrance." It literally looks like the front door. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe we'll get some more clarification when we see it visually. Um, sometimes it's hard to keep it all straight in your mind. Oh but, yeah. But I, I kind of I think I think you might be right actually about the two menace cities able to see one another. Because they are like those sister cities. I, I think that they actually yep. might be able to, as I'm like kind of remembering the movie. There might even be kind of a scene about that. Um, but um, I guess closing that thought, too, I was trying to remember. We, we talked earlier about like Tolkien mentioning whatever's happening with Frodo and Sam and Gollum. And it's like, oh, you know, at this moment... Uh, Gandalf is, you know, uh, with Saruman and the Palantir is being thrown over. And I was like, okay, that's all well and good. But I kind of forgot what even, what, like, what is, where do we leave off with Gandalf and, and like that whole thing? So I went back to like the uh, second He's riding away with Pippet, right? He, right. But I didn't remember where he was riding to. Do you remember, Josh? Minas Tirith. Exactly. Which... I forgot. Yeah. Okay. And so um, upon this moment of Smeagol being like, well, the path that we have to take is connected to and essentially through Minas Ithil. It's kind of funny that it feels like, like the hand of fate. I wonder if in the timelines, if these two 
separated groups of characters will be within these sister cities at essentially the same time. Like, does Gandalf and Pippin reach Minas Tirith when Frodo and Smeagol and Sam reach Minas Ithil? It doesn't have any, like, less impact if they don't, but the fact that both parties you know, that their journeys are are drawn to these, like, connected but now opposing forces, I think is also really interesting because they were they were made to be in tandem with one another. But, of course, now through, like, the ebbs and flows of histories, you know, they are contrasts to one another. The, you know, the last city of men, the last great city, and the fallen city. And, yep. and that is where our two cast of characters have been split off to, like, both be headed towards in one Sorry, way or another. Hear the cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just in the distance. <laughs> yeah, just way out there. I know. Yeah. No, it, it, it will be. It will be very interesting to see if that. Uh, not juxtaposition, but um, contrast. Con- yeah, contrast. Just like mirror image, mirror situations. Yeah, occurring. It'll symmetry. be interesting to see if that happens because I. Yeah, it, it rhymes. Yeah, um, I, like I just. Yeah, I just don't remember that enough of the movie to be able to line up the scenes. So. It, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how the next few chapters play out, because I mean they just got to Mordor in two chapters, so hopefully. I mean, it's apparently going to take him a hell of a lot more to finish the job, but we shall see. Yeah. Yeah, no, we certainly, certainly shall. Um, and yeah, I think, I think in a way, like kind of closing this out, I, I'm not sure what episode it was or how recently, but we have kind of talked about how Tolkien likes to have you know, he'll make characters who kind of mirror one another or especially like a dark mirror. You know, Saruman is a dark mirror of Gandalf and um, Gollum is a dark mirror of Bilbo. Yep. Um, and and so, like, here we have, like, these two different landscapes, Minas Tirith, Minas Ithil slash Morgul, like, mirroring themselves as well and, and, like, those being the kind of, like, tethers that our cast of characters are drawn to i think is also uh, you know certainly very deliberate wow i've had enough whiskey <laughs> all tonight. right and that's about it <laughs> all right. you all get right. what i'm saying uh it, it's all very interesting okay fucking we're i guess we're done unless you want to say anything else but i, I i'm good i got nothing to add. that was pretty funny cool deliberate <laughs> um is that like that's like a kind of toblerone correct <laughs> different it's an offshoot candy um yeah if you like what you hear go to our patreon patreon.com slash chapter chumps um if you want to follow us uh you can do that in real life if you want uh i'll, I'll give you our please addresses don't. um but if no, you, please if don't. you would prefer to if you'd prefer to rather do that online um you can follow us on twitter at chapter chumps uh, same username on Instagram. Um, you can email us at chapterchumpspod at gmail.com. Um, but until next time. Deliberate. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs>